Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Come on. There is more. I hope you put the calendar, put on your calendar, and also sign up today. It's going to be an amazing time. Sisterhood is just an amazing, amazing, amazing ministry that's happening here at Portland Christian Center. Well, welcome. If I haven't said hi to you yet in person, I get to say hi to you in a larger setting. Welcome to Portland Christian Center. You're in the right place online. Hello. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. And I'm going to have the ushers do something real quick. They're going to come down and they're going to pass out a card that I want you to have. And so they're going to come down and pass out. I want everyone to have one of these and you're going to take it home with you, I hope. Please don't leave it on the seat or throw it away. But I want you to take it home and I want you to pray with us. Uh, Because at Portland Christian Center, we believe God has a very specific mission for us. And we say on there, to make disciples. And as the cards are being passed around, tell your neighbor, make disciples. Some of you didn't do it. All right. This is, these are Jesus' words, not just mine. Let's try that again. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm going to try you this time. Make disciples. Make disciples. Do you realize that being a Christian is so much more than just showing up, but it's actually purposefully partnering with Jesus to go and make disciples. That you are supposed to be loving God, presenting hope, and developing people. And so during the next 90 days, we are asking God for unusual favor and grace to accomplish something amazing above what we can do in the natural. Will you partner with us for that? Okay, four of us. All right, we're going we're gonna to be on this. Okay. And so we are praying for unusual grace from the Lord to accomplish some cool things. So if you look right here, the first initiative we have for the next 90 days, from September through December, we are praying for 400 people to attend Better Together. What is Better Together? It's our midweek ministry, and we launched that this last week, and I just got the numbers we had 239 people participate this week. Isn't that amazing? I think it's pretty cool. But we're believing for 400. That's like doubling. Isn't that, okay, somebody like, well, really? Yes! Why not? We're not here to just kind of coast along. We're here to do great things for God. I don't want to just go through life thinking, oh, I'm just going to barely make it. I want to do great things for him. Anybody else with me? So we're going to pray for that. And part of Better Together, we launched something, a relationship series, and we had 25 couples show up. Isn't that great? But we're praying for 50. So turn to your neighbor if they weren't there and you're, and you're married, say, hey, we're going. Now, if you're looking at the neighbor and they're like, man, we're not married, we're not together, we're not even dating... Well, this might be an opportunity. I don't know. (laughs) We are also believing for 50 people to be baptized. Two weeks ago, we baptized 21 people. Isn't that incredible? So year to date, we're at 36, and we're going to have two more opportunities, and we're believing that we're going to go over that. 
And then today we're starting something, a new series called The Blessed Life, and we're going to launch a 90-day tithe challenge, and we're going to receive the offering at the end of the service. So some people are like, well, we haven't done the offering yet? Don't worry. It's coming. Because at Portland Christian Center, we get excited for the offering, don't we? Because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So that's the next 90 days. Now, our initiatives for 2024, we're going to do the Build to Last campaign. We're really excited about that. We're going to be upgrading the house and doing lots of different things financially and giving. So you'll hear more about that in January. And we're also going to be celebrating all year long 100 years as a church. Isn't that incredible? And so we'll be talking a lot about that, but the big dates are September 6th through 8th. We're going to do a huge weekend bringing back past pastors and ministers and things that have happened. It's really going to be a great time. You don't want to miss it. But my, my prayer is, is that you would take this card home with you, not throw it away, please, and pray over it. Ask that God would make this happen. And if there's a place in here that maybe you see that you can step in and be a part of, step in. It's your opportunity because we are better together and we move the mission of God forward together. And, and the theme that I hope you see, all the first, the first four for the next 90 days, do you realize that's what developing people looks like? Because yeah. we believe that every single person here, that you were designed by God to flourish and to keep growing. He's not done with you. I love that at Sisterhood, there was a 13-year-old and a 95-year-old. What does that say? That no matter how old we are or young we are, we are growing together in Christ. We're never not growing. Amen? So let's start by praying over this card together. And believe, would you just hold it up with me if you got one? Hold it up, hold it up. We should have one. Like a hanky, right? This is, woo, glory, glory. Some of you still aren't doing it. Come on, glory. Participation is the key. All right. Some of you, we just got a lot cooler. All right. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for what you're doing at your church. Your word says that you will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I ask, Father, for unusual grace over your church, that we would be about your mission to see people become all that you have called them to be. And we thank you for it. We give you the praise. And we're going to celebrate when we see you do more than we can do on our own because it's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for grabbing your card. We are starting a brand new series, like I said, The Blessed Life. And really what it's about is understanding the connection between being generous and the blessed life. And a lot of churches and pastors that I've talked to, they struggle with teaching on giving because they're afraid of the perception of what people would say. Oh, you're all about money. Oh, what if there's somebody here that doesn't go to church and maybe they're here for the first time and they hear, oh, yep, it's about money again. And, and, and here's why I think that is just a myth that we shouldn't talk about money. Because when I go out in Starbucks or public places, stores, our friends. Do you know what they talk about money out there? Do you watch TV? There's an entire channel called The Money Channel. And with all of the misinformation that the world is talking about money, I think the church should talk about money. 
In fact, Jesus talked about it more than any other subject. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. God's not after your money. He's after your heart. And you know where your heart is by where you spend it the most. Where do you spend the most time? Where do you spend the most money? Where do you give your life to? That's where your heart is. And so this series will unlock something inside of all of us if we pay attention and as we apply the principles that a generous life is actually the blessed life. But the truth is, we don't start out that way, do we? As children, giving our toys away is actually pretty hard. Growing up, I have a brother. His name's Nick. We're 20 months apart. And we loved growing up going to my grandparents' house. Why did we love going to their house? Because my mom was the only daughter, and then she had a brother, but the only daughter that had children. So my brother and I were the only two. Her aunts, they didn't have kids. Uncles didn't have kids. So we would go to their house, and all of the presents for the children were for us. And one of the years we got the first Nintendo, the NES, it was amazing, and we were so excited. And, and, and during this time, this new invention came out. Do you remember the camcorders with the VHS, VHS, VHS tapes that would slap in and you would record? Who had one of those, by the way? Okay, don't worry. We did too. Some of you were like, I don't want to raise my hand. That's dating myself. It's okay. So there's this... This moment after Christmas, all the presents were open, and we've all seen this scene, right, where the presents and the wrapping paper are all over the house. It's a mess. And my, my younger brother, Nick, is sitting on the floor, and he has presents piled up on top of him. I mean, toy after toy after toy, and he's unwrapped paper everywhere. And my grandma grabs the video camera, and she points it at and we called him Nicky Bob because his middle name was Robert, so his name was Nicky Bob. So she's like, Nicky Bob, how's Christmas? And she's so excited, and she can't wait to hear that he loves the presents, and she's just hoping for a thank you or a hug, and the camera gets right on Nick, and it zooms in, and Nicky Bob looks up at the camera, and he says, is that all? <laughs> I'll give you his phone number later. You can call him. And to this day, we've watched that over and over, and we laugh so hard. But isn't the truth, isn't it the truth that all of us aren't born to be generous? We want things for ourselves. People think the first word out of a toddler is mommy or daddy. Actually, no, it's mine. It's mine. Dad, 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 that's mine. You never have to teach someone how to be selfish. We're just naturally great at it. And so as we grow and mature, we must learn that selfishness will not create a life that you want to live in. It will not create the blessed life. And so today, what I want to talk to you about, if you're taking notes, the big idea this morning, as we're getting ready, is that the blessed life, it actually starts 
in your heart. The blessed life starts with your heart. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about the heart. And turn to your other neighbor and say, you too. You too. Selfishness is not natural, but generosity must be developed. So the question I want to answer today is, how do we overcome selfishness? What if you were raised with a family that didn't teach you how to be generous? In fact, everybody just fought over everything. Maybe these principles aren't new. How how do we overcome all of this? I have good news for you. We're not the first ones to wrestle with selfishness. In fact, it's been going on for thousands of years. All the way back, selfishness has been a part of human history. How How do we deal with that? Good news. Jesus addresses that. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter 6 with me? We're going to be in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 through 38. And I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. Don't shout me down with excitement. Luke 6, 37 through 38. And the New King James Version. I love hearing the pages turn, the iPads light up. Your faces are beautiful. Luke 6, 37 says this, judge not, and this is Jesus speaking, by the way, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you used, you use, it will be measured back to you. Is the word money in that paragraph? I want you to look at it. Is the word money in that paragraph? The answer is no. What you see is a principle in Scripture called the law of sowing and reaping. And the law of sowing and reaping applies to every area of your life. If you want to have friends, be friendly. If you want carrots, go plant some carrots. If you want apple trees, go plant. Man, see, we get it, don't we? But for some reason in our lives, if you're like me, We can think that the world should be all about me. And I should just have all of that come to me just because I'm awesome. And social media and the world is depicting a lifestyle where everybody is here to make you happy. And yet God is saying, that's not the blessed life that your actual heart desires. If you want to live a life that's free from greed and selfishness, Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. So what do we have to deal with today? The first thing we have to deal with is this one word, selfishness. Selfishness. Now, my first point is, if you're going to live a life that's blessed, how do you develop a heart of generosity? Number one is you've got to deal with selfishness. 
Ooh, some people are like, man, why are we here again this morning? This is a tough, so- that's a tough topic, Pastor Nate. We're going to go straight to the heart, aren't we? We're going to go straight at it. So de- deal with selfishness. So how do you develop a heart of generosity? You deal with se- selfishness. In Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8, if you have your Bibles, we'll turn back there. Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8. It's Moses is writing this, and he's talking to the children of Israel, and they're designed to be a blessing. They're designed to be fruitful and multiply. They're designed to be incredible. And he gives them some warnings of how they're going to live a blessed life. And here's what he says. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Deal with a selfish heart. I want you to notice what it says right there is that it says, do not harden your heart. Do you realize that you can harden your heart? That you actually have the decision to make about how you're going to treat another person. In every area of your life, you have the opportunity to have a soft heart or a hard heart. How about your job? How about your relationships? I've heard it said that if you want to have a miserable marriage, make it all about yourself. If you want to have a great marriage, give your life away. How about at school? If you want to make it all about yourself, school is going to be miserable. Be selfish. Misery loves selfishness. You see, a blessed life starts with a heart. How do we deal with a selfish heart? I was listening to a a radio show host named Dave Ramsey. You might have heard of him. He's kind of a popular guy. And he was taking a call about a, a man called in and he said, Hey, uh, I've got a problem, Dave. And Dave's like, okay, what's your problem, sir? And he says, my wife, she wants to go and shop for back-to-school shopping for our kids. And every time she goes, she goes to Target, and she spends way more than we need. How do I convince my wife to stop spending so much money? And so Dave Ramsey's like, well, okay. And he starts asking a couple questions. And after he asks a few questions, it comes out that this man who's complaining about his wife shopping, this man has an $80,000 truck. Oh, by the way, that's on loan. He's making $850 a month payments. All right, yeah. You're seeing where this is going. He has a $50,000 bass boat. He brought in a, over $100,000 of student loan debt to their relationship. And you know how Dave kind of gets going a little bit. <laughs> and he starts going off on this guy. And he says, here's what you're going to do, son. He calls him son. <laughs> you're going to sell that truck and you're going to drive a golf cart. <laughs> you're going to sell that boat and you're going to fish from the shore. And then you're going to go buy some flowers and apologize to your wife for this phone call. (laughs) Dead silent. 
It's all about the heart, isn't it? He wasn't calling to get help. He was calling to complain. He was calling to be selfish. He was saying, oh, look at me. I am so generous, blah, 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 blah. But then if you start pulling back the layers, selfishness was in his heart. When you read that passage in Deuteronomy, did you notice what it said with your hands? He says, don't harden your hand or harden your heart or shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hands wide to him and willingly lend him sufficiency for his need, whatever he needs. A blessed life doesn't look like this. A blessed life looks like this. As we continue reading, it says even more, In verse 9, it says, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother and and giving him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become a sin among you. As you're you're reading this, you're kind of like, man, what does he talk about seventh year? In the Jewish culture, there was something that the Lord instituted called the year of Jubilee. And every seven years, all of your debts would be forgiven amongst the Israelites. Anybody else want to enjoy that one? Let's go. But it didn't necessarily apply to foreigners, even if they lived around them. If someone was borrowing money from you, they didn't have to forgive them. But here's what it's saying. Don't let wickedness go into your heart and not forgive that person either. You see, wickedness comes in our heart by getting us to think back to ourselves again, to be selfish, to hold on. Really what God wants all of us to do as we mature in our faith is to do something that my uncle used to tell me all the time. You know what he used to say? Grow up! As lovingly as he could say it. Grow up! I remember that so vividly, but I think God wants us to grow up to be like our father because he loved us so much that he did what? Gave. The ultimate model of growth is our heavenly father because he never stops giving. He never stops loving. I told you that story about my my little brother, Nicky Bob. Well, he's grown now. He's got three boys and I remember there was a time in my life, in my, in my life, we were married and we'd been in ministry for a while and we had just started a church plant and nine months in, everything fell apart. I quit. I lost a bunch of weight. I was struggling with depression and we stopped the church plant at everything. Have you ever felt like you were a failure? Okay, just me, that's cool. And I, I just felt like a failure, and I had let my family down, our church down, people I'd given to the ministry. I mean, it was one of the most painful decisions we ever made. And I remember going to my, my family's house, my brother's there, and I'm sitting in the pool, kind of feeling sorry for myself. And they had like one of those above-ground pools. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just feeling sorry for myself. And I get out, and I'm like, Lord, where are you? And out of nowhere, my brother, to this day, I still can't believe he did it, writes me a huge check and says, I know God's going to help you. Didn't ask him. Didn't say anything about it. He just said, Nick, Brenda and I prayed, and we're going to help you. And that helped us buy groceries and food until we got to our next place. 
You see, my brother, he didn't start out generous. But God continued to work in his life. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I have so much to grow in this generosity thing. I can see where I'm being selfish. Just take one step. Just take one step. And as you step out in generosity, God will bless you. But the, the thing that the, the scripture is warning you is don't let wickedness go in your heart. What does wickedness look like? Sometimes we don't see this. Wickedness looks like instead of going like this, it's closing our hands back in. And oftentimes we close our hands for different reasons, but one of them is it's not just selfishness. The second reason is that we have a heart that's grieving. We have to deal with a grieving heart. In Deuteronomy 15.10, it says this, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all to which you put your hand. Did you see the blessing in that? God will bless you in all your works and all to which you put your hand. But don't be grieved when you give. When you give something and you're like, oh, I could have used that for something else that I really wanted. I just feel so bad. Buyer's remorse, giver's remorse looks like grief. How do you overcome giving grief? How do you, how do, you do that? This can be difficult to conquer, but you know, as I was mentioning Earlier in that story about the husband who was complaining about his wife going to Target shopping. And he had all this debt and different things in his heart. It reminded me of this this past year, Myel and I were talking and we need to do some back to school shopping. And Titus, um, we had just bought him some new shoes for basketball and he goes, Dad, Dad, look. And he puts his foot in his shoe and he looks down and I push on the toe they're already at the end. He hadn't even had them for 30 days, and he already grew out of his shoes. And I'm like, man, that's at least 100 bucks. How am I going to pay for it? We just bought these shoes. And I'm like, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay. Oh, hey. Thank you, Alan. 100 bucks. I should preach like this more often. Alan, thank you. Thank you. Alan, now, I'm sure you already know this, but before the service, I said, hey, Alan, when I start talking about $100, would you give me back my $100? Now, Alan, was that hard for you to do? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. It was a little hard, but no, it wasn't hard for you. It was not hard because it wasn't his. That's what will unlock your heart to give. Because it does not belong to you. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's. Some of us should take a screenshot of that picture right there, of the verse right there. And the fullness thereof, the world, and that they dwell therein. Everything belongs to God. Everything. 
So when we're talking about tithing, the first 10% of your income, what you understand as you grow and mature, it already belongs to God. And so next week, we're going to talk about every time you tithe, you know what you're doing? You're passing a test. And what's the test? Where's your heart? Does it really belong to God? Or do you still think that all of it's yours? Because when you think all of it's yours, you know what you do? You act like my brother on Christmas morning. Is that all? Is that all? Because if we're going to develop a heart that's generous, and number three is the last point, you have to develop a grateful heart. When you know that everything belongs to God already and he lets you keep whatever, you're like, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy 15, 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. He's saying the reason you can be generous today is because of what I've saved you from in your past. When was the last time you thanked God for what he's done in your life? When you look at this context, what we have to, sometimes maybe we forget how bad it was for the Israelites when they were in slavery. I read an article by the Theology of Work, and this is what it says. Work may be physically and mentally taxing, but that does not make it wrong. What made the situation in Egypt unbearable was not only the slavery, but also its extreme harshness. The Egyptian masters worked the Israelites ruthlessly, They made their lives bitter, hard, cruel, and they languished in misery to the point of suffering and a broken spirit. You see, one of the chief purposes of of work is to give you purpose and joy in life, and the Egyptians robbed that from them. It broke their spirit. And on top of all of that, they killed their, their children. As the babies were being born, they were killing them. Pharaoh's heart was completely there to destroy the Egyptians. They went from Joseph's time when everything is flourishing and they're able to work the land and do all they can to all of a sudden piece by piece by piece is stripped away from them and they lose the joy of work. They lose the joy of everything and now their kids are being killed and God says, I took you out of that. Do you not remember what I saved you from? One of the reasons I loved baptism last or two weeks ago was to hear somebody like Sheldon say, five years ago, Jesus healed me of bipolar. And I'm in this tank, and I am free. I am walking towards God. Look what he's done in my life. How could I not? How could I not worship God? How can I not serve him? Somebody else that got baptized, they put their e-cigarette on the altar, never to go back to it again. Getting baptized, saying, thank you, Jesus. Gratitude shapes the attitude of your heart. What are you grateful for? When was the last time you just thought about all that God has done in your life? You know, for a long time, when I would think about those nine months where we were church planting and trying to start that church and all those different things and all the failures and mistakes, have you ever laid in bed at night and replayed the story of your head of all the things that you could have done better? 
Have you ever thought about God if only? I wish I would have done this different. I wish I would have had that relationship. I just wish I would have been the leader that that church needed me to be. But I believe this is a word for some of us here today, and it's for me too. A mistake doesn't define you. It refines you. A mistake does not define you. It refines you. If you've had a selfish heart up until this point, today's your day to be set free. And you might be like, man, how do you do that, Pastor Nate? It's really easy. You give. You break selfishness by giving. You break greed by giving. You break grief by being thankful that he saved you, that he's delivered you. So this morning, I believe that God is going to do some work on our hearts today. If I could have the worship team come up and also I'm going to invite Ron. Pastor Ron, would you come on up? Would you welcome Pastor Ron as he comes? You see, I love, I love we, we, we lovingly call you Captain Ron. Um, but Ron, Ron you, you've, you're, you're our seniors adults pastor. Been around a few years. And you've seen God do some pretty amazing things. And we're going to do something here in a moment called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. And if you look in the front of your pews, there's a card that says 90-Day Tithe Challenge. If you want to grab that, or if you're digital, you can grab a, there should be a picture that comes up here with a QR code. For those that want to give online, you can do that. And as he's talking, I want you to have this in your hand so that you see it. The 90-Day Tithe Challenge so you had the opportunity for a 90-day tithe challenge. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share. Appreciate it. Um, you know, Pastor mentioned a little bit ago about a test. Uh, nobody likes tests, right? Well, uh, I had a test in my life, uh, 1974. Um, I was a brand-new Christian and um, was in a church service, not here. It was in another church nearby. And the pastor gave a message on tithing. And, of course, you know, that's, uh, you know, when you're a new Christian, you're not in, into that, uh, all of this yet. And I uh, begin to sweat because of that, uh, that term. And um, so at the end of the service, he passed out a, a little card. It was a tithing covenant. And it had just two things on it. First one said, yes, I currently tithe and I'm going to continue to do so. And the second one said, no, I don't tithe, but I'm going to trust God to do that. I began to sweat a little bit more. And as I you know, sat there and I was praying and uh, uh, saw my budget in my mind's eye, and I'm an accountant, so I got it you know, seared in there. And there was no room for a tithe. There was no room for anything. And the Holy Spirit really dealt with me and said, you need to do this. So I did. I checked that second box and said, I haven't been tithing, but I'm going to start doing that. So on the way home that day, I told my wife, I said, you know, I've signed that covenant and we're either going to have to, we're relying on God to supply or we're just not going to have groceries. I, you know, I don't know how this is going to happen. Well, within 30 days, my house payment went down. You got to remember, this is 1974. This was not a rate adjustment on my, I don't know how that happened. That's a miracle. 60 days later, I got a promotion 
and a raise in my job. So at the end of 90 days, I had more disposable income after I started tithing than I had before I started tithing. Come on. Well, I passed my test. And you know, it's interesting, in the Bible, God offers himself to be tested. One place in the Bible, Malachi 3.10. And I'm gonna read this to you from the New Living Testament. Here's what it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. It was true for me 49 years ago, and it's true for all of us today. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. So good. Would you stand with us? Thank you. Thank you. It's all about the heart. The generous man will prosper. The blessed life is all about generosity. As you're standing this morning, maybe your face just like Ron was a few years ago, and the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, and you're thinking, how am I going to start tithing? And the Holy Spirit's saying, is there selfishness, greed? Have you forgotten what God's done in your life? Do you trust God? Do you trust God? In just a moment, I'm going to come back up and we're going to receive our morning's tithes and offerings. But before we do, I'm, I'm going to ask you to worship God and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is it time for me to unlock generosity in my life? Am I not tithing? I need to start tithing. Maybe you've been tithing, but the Lord's saying, I, I want you to give outrageously. Continue to be faithful. There's missionaries that need support, whatever it may look like. But the steps to an unselfish heart starts with the surrender to the Almighty God. And so before we do that, I just want to ask if there's anybody here that's like, man, you're, you're saying, Pastor Nate, I, I, I need to surrender my life to God. I want to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, would you just slip your hand? I want to pray for you right where you're at, that you need to surrender your life to God. Is there anybody here that's ready to make that decision to surrender their life to God? All right. Okay. Thank you. In case somebody online's waving at me, we're going to pray together, all right? So, Father, we pray for every person that made a decision to follow you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would surrender everything to you. They surrender their lives and that you would wash away all their sins and make them brand new. Thank you for what you're doing, and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name, amen. During this next song, I just challenge you. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to participate? Holy Spirit, what can I do to partner with you? Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or 
Join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.